Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green podcast, found exclusively on our Vineyard Bowling Green app. We hope you enjoy this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. deliver the message this morning because it's on worship. And we're going to be talking about worship for the next several weeks. Um, And worship for me is perhaps one of the greatest ways that I have personally connected with God. And I believe God is eager to be known and God is eager to be experienced by everyone. I absolutely believe that. And I believe in response to God's eagerness, we can value the life-changing power in the experiences of God's presence, in the experiences of his presence. And we can value the life-changing power that comes with that. And the primary place where the relationship is nurtured, because it is, it's a relationship, right? And it's nurtured, and it's developed. And I believe one of the greatest places for that is in the acts of worship. And this both covers private when you're just alone or with your, just, um, with, your, with family and close friends or in a corporate setting like our church. And I believe in order to love God with all of who we are, right, and allow ourselves to be led into being a good steward of God's word and who we're called to be, uh, you know, the way that we are called to live in God's will and we're supposed to be on our path and on our journey and all that stuff that God has designed for us in this process of transformation and growth and development and this relationship that's being nurtured. And, and, and more than that, rather than just loving God with everything that we have and us being called and fulfilled in our identity and on this great path in God's will, it also it teaches us how to be obedient followers to go and do the great commission and follow the greatest commandment, which is also to love our neighbor, right? To love our neighbor as ourself. And I think all of this can be kind of like compartmentalized in a place of worship. All this can be grown and birthed and come alive in the act of worship, okay? And that puts us in the position to align ourselves and to awaken ourselves to the power, the beauty, the fullness, and the wonder of God. It's understanding, right? It's understanding. It's not about making, but it's understanding that our lives are an act of worship right now. We need to understand that, that our lives are an act of worship. It's not making or creating a a life of worship. Our lives are an act of worship. And we are in an act of worship whether we realize it or not. We cannot make something that is already in full existence. We have to understand and awaken to our lives that they are commissioned acts of worship. And we experience God's presence as a tangible reality. As a tangible reality when we worship, whether that's through song, through studying, scripture, through prayer, communion, whatever, acts of worship. As we worship, we become increasingly, so again, there's that that theme of kind of, there's a trajectory of drawing closer to God, and we become increasingly sensitive and responsive to the Spirit's presence so that we can do as Jesus did, and we can see what the Father is doing. It talks about this in John 5, John chapter 5, John, yeah, John chapter 5, pretty sure, John chapter 5, around Verse 20, 18, 19, 20. But see what the Father is doing, and we can support his work with our lives. 
And that's what we are called to do. And in the midst of this fast-paced, visual, marketplace world that we live in, we are living in, we need to experience God in a way that flows out of a life of worship and affects all aspects of our lives so that this divide between what is secular and what is sacred, okay, there's this divide between what is secular and what is sacred, hang in with me, that divide begins to close, Okay, and not because the sacred is compromising. That's not what it is. But because we're the ones actively pursuing heaven, and we're actively pursuing heaven to earth, and as we have a loving, powerful force for God, with God, we start to close the gap and bring the sacred into this secular world, and we end up making a huge impact through our lives of worship. And my prayer for our church is that we experience in 2021 an intimacy with the Father that will change us forever. That's my prayer for 2021 for our church, is that we experience an intimacy with the Father that will change and set us on a new path of intimacy with the Father forever. Amen? And I'm excited about it. Pretty darn, can I say darn? Pretty darn excited about it. So let's go ahead and put up Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire and to inquire in his temple. So, let's talk about worship for a second. The dictionary says that worship, because you're a pastor, right? You gotta say you gotta throw out the dictionary at least once a month, or they don't think you know what you're talking about. So the dictionary says that worship is an act of devotion to show honor, to give worth. And based on this definition, what are some of the things that we tend to worship in our culture? It's a fair question. What are some of the things that we tend to worship in our culture? What are some of the things we tend to prioritize with our time? Okay, how we spend time on our phones, right? How we spend time on our phones. Uh, Social media, and believe me, today's gonna be a little about phones and stuff, but we'll get through it, okay? Social media is absolutely everything right now. I, I, I really believe that. We are shaped by all of these little algorithms, uh, the news we receive, the posts that we read, the food that we like, how we are influenced by a machine, right, of processes and symptoms or uh, systems that like learn us, right, and provide information that you want to hear, and it can absolutely shape you. And so we keep coming back to it, and we keep coming back to it, and we keep coming back to it, and that shapes our ideas, and it can shape our politics, and it can shape our opinions, and it can totally shape and influence our spirit. But say you're someone that's like, I'm not really shaped by social media, because no one admits it, right? No one admits it. I'm not really, I don't even have Instagram. What's that? You know? We are all being shaped by a culture of social media and technology at least the influence is there that we have to look past and we have to build up defense mechanisms for because the way businesses around us, the way they sell items to you, the way they advertise, our world is becoming more and more driven by a machine of processes that move us into coming back for more and for more, okay? The phones are listening. I'm just kidding. We're not gonna get into that. I'm just kidding. Jasmine and I had a conversation about a Peloton bike and of course, ads start flying up on both our phones about Peloton bikes. They're whatever. All right. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, first off, 
I'm not a hater, okay? I'm not a hater of phones, I'm not a hater of social media, all that stuff. Um, I do it too. Um, and I will share a little story later on about how I actually think it's really great and be helpful. Um, but now um, we have everything at our fingertips, okay? Um, for example, growing up, I didn't, I loved soccer. I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but I loved soccer growing up, okay? And soccer is mostly played overseas, at least the best version of it is played overseas, and I couldn't get that for such a long time, and I was such a huge fan of it, and I remember the first time I would get like a magazine, or like NPR would sometimes pipe in from BBC the scores of games, and I'd be sitting there just listening, waiting for the scores, the scores. Now at my fingertips, I can like look at everything about these guys, highlights, games, different versions, podcasts about the games, Right, I can follow their families on social media. The other day, I found myself following a soccer player's kid, and I, like, instantly quit that. When I was, and he's he's like older. He's a good little player. So I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, what am I doing? Right? It's crazy. I can follow their side businesses, who they're sponsored by, and this does have an effect on us all. Okay, think about the time we spend on the internet looking for solutions. You know, it's not just social media stuff, but just looking for solutions for better health for better parenting, right? For better home projects. That's one I'm always on, right? The internet is a great tool. It's an awesome tool. If it weren't for YouTube, Michael wouldn't have a career, okay? It's just, it's a great tool. It's a great resource, but it totally can influence us. And the answer is not going off the grid. That's not the answer. Absolutely not. Let's not be weird, but let's overcome it it might be the answer, but never mind. Um, it's not. But let's not be weird. Let's overcoming by allowing it to be a strength in our life. But let's understand first and foremost that we have to admit that just in general in 2021, we have to be aware because it can, it can absolutely not only rob us of our time, but it can influence, influence us and rob us of our worship. Okay, and I'm not just saying just because you spend three hours on your cell phone means you should have spent three hours with God. That's not what we're getting at. But it can become a source of worship and attention in our life. Okay, throughout history and in the Bible, we see people worshiping all kinds of things. Okay, some people worship the sun. Some people worship the sea. Some people worship the stars. Um, some built some kings built statues of themselves and made people bow down and worship the statues. If you remember the Israelites, they built a golden calf. And, and while Moses was up on Mount Sinai talking to God, they built this, this, this golden calf. And, the, and those sound like crazy ideas, but what do you think some of the things that we're going to look back on in 100 years and think, I can't believe we spent so much time doing blank. In 100 years from now, what are we going to look back and say, man, those guys were a little crazy. And I say all that because it's easy to see, it's easy to see throughout history that desire, that longing to worship, that desire, that longing to invest your heart, your soul, your mind and attention into something. Think of how good it is to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And the internet absolutely provides a space for that. But the thing I love about worship is it absolutely unifies everyone in this room. Think about what's going on around the world right now, especially on Sunday mornings, right? Think about it. We are together in unison singing to God. 
it unites us. It's the connection that we have to each other. It's the connection that we have to worshiping God. And God is clear about that. He wants, God is clear that he wants that from us. He wants us to worship him and him only. In Exodus chapter 20, Moses is meeting with God and scribes out the 10 commandments that are pretty famous. And one of the commandments is to not have any other gods before you, right? Let's actually, let's pull, let's just go ahead and pull those up. This is Exodus 20. We're going to read the 10 commandments real quick. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other gods but me. You must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even when children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Amen. This includes you, your sons, and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in, this, for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother, and you will live a long life, full of life in the land the Lord your God is, is giving you. You must not murder. There's really nothing else on that one. Just don't, don't murder anybody. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. My neighbor has a better truck than me. I sometimes covet it. Okay. These are simple but very deep. Um, pieces of wisdom, right? Right? The funny thing about the things we see in, in, in the Bible um, in worship, like the golden calf, and the things we see worshiped in our own culture is that these things, these, these things, they do not love people back. These things do not love people back. You see, we have all these needs, right? We have all these needs. We need food. We need shelter. We need warmth, etc. But that quickly can grow into something bigger. Our needs can quickly grow into something bigger. And as, as humans, we have distanced ourselves just a little bit of a time, a little bit at a time, from the values and the importance of the simplicity of the Ten Commandments. And we slowly drift into making necessary things our worship. We can easily slip into that mindset of making necessary things our worship. There's a story in Isaiah chapter 44 that illustrates this perfectly, I think. Go ahead and put that up. Isaiah chapter 44. The, black man, the blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. 
It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane and carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedar. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and, and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true, he takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, that fire feels so good. Then he takes what's left and makes it his God, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. I love this. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect. Well, it's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? So even when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, he wanted them to know that he loved them and that he was the one that saved them and that he wanted them to love him too. In the same way God made us all to worship because he loves us, he saves us, and he wants us to love him too. And you see, worship is all about love. First, God's love for us, then our response of love back to him. When we worship God, we find intimacy with him. But worshiping other things doesn't give us that same intimacy. Right? It doesn't give us that same intimacy that we can have with God. It doesn't matter what it is. So what is intimacy really about? And why do we even talk about that in, in terms of a relationship with the Lord? Because intimacy, it's a close, familiar, loving, and personal relationship, a deep understanding. And when we as Christians worship the living God, we are freely giving ourselves to him. We're freely giving ourselves to him. An act of devotion and, and we're experiencing this intimacy with him all at the same time. And remember that God created us to worship him because he loves us. And our response to him is one of love right back to him, right? So worship is really all about love. We can cover that. God loves us first and our response is to love him. So worshiping God orients us towards him who is love. It orients us to love. It's between God and us, and that's basically it. But God is also love. So it's orienting us directly towards love. And there's something about that that is, is so simple, but also so pure at the same time. It's so simple, but so pure at the same time. Um, have you ever really gotten wrapped up in something that you're really excited about? Right? Um, and, and nothing like may, maybe something deep, but let's think even more shallow. Let's think about like, have you been so excited about like a new show to binge watch before? Sometimes you find that one, right? And it's just, it's, it's a good time. 
Like you get locked in on it, or maybe you find a new project that really just, you're all in it, right? You're all in it. Or a new tool, or you find whatever, I don't know, a coffee subscription or something. I don't know what people do. But in the moment, everything in your life seems to point towards that thing. Points towards that thing. Maybe it's just an idea, whatever. It points towards that thing. If you think about it, you can talk about it. All you want to do is just be around it. You want to get with people who also feel the same way as you do about it. Um, If you know somebody that's always binge watching a show and is telling you, like, you have to watch this show, and you're just, like, super annoyed by it, because every time you see them, you got to tell them, I haven't started watching that show yet. But um, it's because people get really passionate about these things, right? Um, Growing up, like I said earlier, I was a really big soccer fan, but there was no way to watch the games, there's just no way to watch the games. And this is prior to the internet doing its thing. And I remember having magazines. And like I said, listening to the radio. And I sound so old, but it's not that long ago. And I remember reading articles about my favorite teams and my favorite players. And I was always like, man, I just cannot wait to watch these guys and just to see these guys. And I remember when World Cup 2002 happened. Um, I was so locked in. I barely slept for a month. Uh, because they decided on ESPN and ABC and ESPN2 that they were going to show every single game for the first time in America. They're going to show every single game. And the games were on in Japan, and so the time difference meant I didn't sleep for a month because I was watching every game. I taped every game on VHS. I still have them in my parents' house. I think maybe they're at my house now and like a bunch of shoeboxes. And I became obsessed. All these guys that I read about, All these guys that I studied, I knew their stats. I'd read some of their bios, and I hadn't even seen them play before because it was impossible. Never actually watched them play a game, especially live. Like, I had some, like, VHSs of some guys that were, like, from old games and stuff, but I never got to watch them play live. But now I was able to watch them, and all I wanted to do was talk to people about it. But the two most unpopular things in Somerset, Kentucky... Soccer and the one guy who likes soccer. I had nobody to talk about soccer with, and it drove me crazy. I remember talking to my mom about different things, and she's just like, mm-hmm, okay, very good, I love it. But I was hooked in the summer of 2002, and that's all I had on my mind. And I remember when I was able to really put that attention towards something. All I wanted to do was get my friends together and gather and get into it together, Right? I still remember I had my friend host uh, USA played Mexico at 2 in the morning. And so I was like, all right, we're going to watch it. We worked all day. I worked landscaping then. And, um, and so I was super tired, but I stayed up. I was ready to watch it. One guy fell asleep, and the other two guys were having a nerf war. And I about had a nervous breakdown because I was like, no, we're supposed to like, you know, that's, you know. They didn't care. They didn't care. But when we had turned our attention to something and we go all in on something, it kind of just oozes out of us everywhere we go. It's part of the culture and the atmosphere that we bring into the room. And when we turn our attention to Jesus and spend time worshiping Jesus and growing in that intimacy with Jesus, talking to him, talking to him, listening to him for every direction, um, in everyday decisions, reading about him, reading through his word, talking to others about Jesus, spending time with Jesus, we find that other parts of ourselves begin to turn towards him too. And next thing you know, all of our emotional being, all of our physical being, all everything that we have 
we realize that it's pointed to Jesus. We also realize perhaps that there's times in our lives that it hasn't been pointed to Jesus. And it's like we start to have a different perspective on things. We start to have a different perspective on relationships, on businesses, on career choices, on politics, just everything, ideas, life, etc. The way we worship, it becomes our focus. And the question is, how do we maintain the intimacy, the newness? How do we maintain the creativity in our relationship with God? How do we maintain the intimacy of it? Like I said, there are different ways we worship. And in the moment, we can absolutely, in the moment, we have to absolutely make it about God. One of the ways we keep the intimacy there is we absolutely make it about God. We have to make it about God. We have to honor the purity of the moment between you and the Lord. We have to. Worship at its purest form is a relationship of intimacy between you and the Lord. Worship is not a genre. It's not a style. It's not a particular sound. It's not limited to anything that we can, re- can create, but it is lifted and it is elevated by what we create and bring to the table. But worship first and foremost is about us laying ourselves at the feet of Jesus because he is good and worthy of our worship and worthy of our time and worthy of our lives being committed to him. It's not an agenda. It's not a certain sound, a certain style. It's the moment to tell God what, it's not a moment to tell God what to do either. It's not a negotiation of the spirit. It's a song, it's a prayer, it's a scripture devoted to us saying, yes, God, you are worthy of this moment. You are worthy of this moment above anything else. Right now, it's me and it's you and I wanna give all I have to you. You are worthy of me surrendering my life to you and I want to tell you about how good you are. That's the purest form of worship and we have to express that. We have to sing that because there's some things you can't just say. You have to sing it, right? And our vision for 2021 is to create the intimacy that we have with God both in the corporate setting but also in the private setting when it's just you and the Lord. And we have to be intentional and we have to be practical about it. And you have to have real and honest conversations that it's not an idea, it's a way of life. It's not just a thought, but it's a commitment. We have to utilize certain tools that we have. We have to monitor our intake and what is coming in. We have to look at our habits and the way we live our life because whether you are brand new to this or you have been, you have been doing this for a long time and you think you have it figured out and, and we have to be, um, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like you think you have it figured out, like you're arrogant, but just saying like, yeah, I've been doing this. I love it. Me and God are close. We're very intimate. We have to protect that purity no matter where you're at in the process. We have to. We have to protect that intimacy. The intimacy that we have with God is so pure and it's so relational, but it's intrusive to our life whenever we give our lives to God. It changes the way you live. 
And it's got to be something that is valued and protected. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at how it influences us, how it shapes us into becoming more like God so we can be anchored into a long and lasting awakening. An awakening to the idea, not the idea, awakening to the understanding that our lives are an act of worship. Always. As we live, we worship. And so I am praying that we awaken to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our life. And we understand that there's more, and there's more, and there's more for us. That this intimacy with the Lord, it grows. This intimacy and this connection with the Lord, it grows more intimate, closer, deeper, and it's so pure, guys. It's so pure. And we have to protect that. Sometimes we get in our own head sometimes. 2020 was a great place to get in your own head and get distracted by things and get frustrated at things. Be happy about some things and mad about the other and you come in and and it's just, you can, 2021, it made me really mad in a lot of ways. Made me really frustrated in a lot of ways, just like everybody else. Okay, it was a frustrating year, we can be honest. God did great things, I mean, we're, we're I mean, Life is good. I'm not saying that, but it was frustrating in a lot of ways. Okay, but we have to take that. We have to, we have to take that intimate connection that we have with the Lord, and we have to say, Lord, no matter what is going on, I'm committing my life to worshiping you and you alone. And I'm super excited about the next couple of weeks to be talking about this intimate connection that we get to grow in with the Lord. But we're going to be very practical, and we're going to utilize the tools that we have. I'm super excited. Amen? Amen, Bobby.